Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Human Glue Project Podcast. This is where we explore the stories, the thought leaders, and the concepts related to human connection to help us live more fulfilling lives. In this episode, we talk about Malala Yousafzai, a Pakistani activist and leader for women's education. And we talk about her amazing story, what she's done to impact society. But furthermore, this is the first episode of the Human Connector series where we evaluate human connectors and understand what it is and why it is that makes them such impactful leaders, such impactful human connectors, and why it is that they're able to unite people on a grand scale. So without further ado, let's hop into it. So as mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking about Malala Yousafzai. And so I'm going to go a little bit into her story. I'm going to talk about, you know, what her experience was, what she's been doing, what she's up to. And then after that, I'm going to provide a little bit of an evaluation of why she is such a great human connector, why she's such a great leader. And this is going to be the first of of many in a series that highlights human connectors. So if you have any suggestions as for someone you want to understand why it is and what it is that makes them a significant human connector in society, please feel free to DM me. Let me know who you want to hear about. Let me know who you want to see. But essentially, this is what that series is going to be about. It's going to be about finding these glue people, these people that bring others together and understanding and exploring why they're able to do that. So without further ado, let's kind of let's kind of get into the story of of Malala, who I personally look up to, who I think is an amazing human connector and who I think is someone we should all look at in terms of how we unite other people. So first of all, Malala is a Pakistani activist. She was born in Pakistan where her father was a school owner and he was he was very active in, in educational issues. So she was already surrounded by a father figure who was um, very much so into the education sphere. She, she grew up in this town called Mingora and this town was a popular tourist town until, that is, the Taliban attempted to take it over. So the Taliban is kind of a radical group um, in, in the Middle East and so after the Taliban began attacking girls' schools in her hometown, Yousafzai gave a speech in Peshawar, Pakistan, and this was in September 2008. And the title of this talk was, How Dare the Taliban Take Away My Basic Right to Education? Now, this stirred a lot of people. This, this got a lot of support. But at the same time, it also turned her into a target, which you'll see later. So a year later, after that, after that speech, when Malala turned 11 years old, this was in 2009, she began blogging for BBC. But she did this in a way that was anonymous. So she used an alias, and she used this platform on BBC to blog and to talk about living under the Taliban's threats to essentially deny her an education. So she, she was blogging for a while, bringing up all this, this support under this alias, really bringing a light to the situation at hand. And that alias was what was standing in between her and the Taliban. Unfortunately, the Taliban eventually found out who she was. So as, as Malala began to gain traction with her blogging, with her activism, and, and speaking out about her right and the right of all women to an education, 
This activism, her activity netted this nomination for the International Children's Peace Prize in 2011. And that same year, she was awarded the Pakistan National Youth Peace Prize. So she was gaining a lot of traction. She was really doing well. She was really uniting people in the sense that she was bringing out and calling out the the unfairness and calling out the need uh, and the right for all women to have an education. Now, uh, obviously, the Taliban didn't like this. And as I mentioned earlier, it, it created this target on Malala. Eventually, Malala learned, Malala's family, excuse me, they learned that the Taliban had actually issued a death threat on Malala, but they didn't actually believe that they would take action against a child. On October 9th, 2012, a masked gunman boarded Malala's school bus and demanded to know which girl was Yusufzai. The gunman shot Malala on the left side of her head and left her in critical condition. Now, this left the world shocked and, and Malala was flown to a military hospital and a portion of her skull was, was actually had to be removed to treat her swelling brain. So she was very much under intensive care and on the, on the brink of death to receive further care because you know, as if that was enough, she was, she was transferred to Birmingham, England for even better care. And once she was in the UK, Yusufzai was then taken out of a medically induced coma. So they had to put her under in order to save her. And though she would... And that's the thing. That To me, that's crazy. They had to put her under a medical coma in order to, to save her life when they transferred her to England. So, you know, because of that, she had to, she had required multiple surgeries, including a repair of a facial nerve to fix the paralyzed left side of her face. And the good thing, though, about all this is that she actually suffered no brain damage and she survived. So she was shot in the left side of the head. She went through a medically induced coma. She had paralysis on the left side of her face. But the crazy thing is she suffered no major brain damage and came out alive to tell the tale. In March 2013, that's when she was able to begin attending school again in Birmingham. So just, what is that, four years after, no, what is that, 2012, 2013? Oh, I can't do math. Um, 2013, that's, that's a year, less than a year. She was able to start attending school again in Birmingham. And the crazy thing is, is, well, not so crazy, actually, but after the shooting, this resulted in a massive outpouring of support for Yusufzai, which continued during her recovery. Now, although the support is great, the Taliban does still consider Yusufzai a target, although she remains a staunch advocate for the power of education, and obviously now she has a lot more protection. Today, Malala continues to fight for women's rights to an education, having since developed the Malala Fund, which is her nonprofit organization that invests in education activists and advocates who are driving solutions to barriers to girls' education in their communities. So even after she was shot, she continues to speak up, she continues to lead, and she continues to, to advocate for women's rights. And since starting the nonprofit, Malala has actually brought together champions for her God, for her cause. Uh, and, and essentially, she calls this network of world leaders the Golmaki Network. And it extends to countries like Brazil, Afghanistan, India, and Nigeria. So in a nutshell, that's, that's Malala's story. And, you know, to be honest, I, I've always heard her name, but I never really looked into her story until until this past week and you know when I was able to read what she was able to accomplish what she went through the bravery it took to to stand up to the Taliban who were a very militant group it really gave me context for just how strong this 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 girl was and so 
hearing that story, I just want to make sure that we can all understand why it is and what it is that makes Malala such a great leader, if you couldn't already kind of pick up from, from the story. So there's a couple things that, that Malala did to create this massive unity and this massive connection with other people. First, Malala was unafraid to speak up for what she believed was right. And more specifically, she was unafraid to speak up on an issue that over 130 million women face every single day. For one, that's a huge community. And for two, to be able to speak up for voices that are silent, that does a lot for those silent voices. You're essentially giving them a platform to speak. And when that happens, when a leader does that for you, when a leader speaks up for you when you cannot, whether it be because you're under threat, whether it be because your life is in danger, when someone else speaks on your behalf and takes and, and metaphorically takes that bullet and, and literally takes a bullet in Malala's case, when they metaphorically take the bullet for you in order to speak, it creates a massive sense of respect and loyalty to the leader. It creates a massive sense of, of community. And, and, and loyalty to this person that speaks up. And so by speaking out on this, on this issue of, of the basic right to education for women, Malala instantly gained a following that empathized with her struggle and respected her for what she was able to do for them. The next thing Malala did that I, that I really love is that she was so strong in her character that she was shot for mobilizing women. And although she didn't die, this is what was the biggest catalyst. She was, the fact that she was shot, just the, just the fact that she was shot for, for doing and for speaking out about what she believed was important, martyred her. And if you're unfamiliar with the term martyr, a martyr is someone who is, um, is killed for a, a cause that they believe in, for standing up for a cause that they believe in. So typically a martyr me means that someone um, has died, but Malala um, was survived, which made this even more miraculous. So the biggest thing about a martyr is that when, when a martyr dies, when, when someone that is, is, is for a cause dies for no probable reason, this mobilizes people and this oftentimes um, spurs on action that people may not have otherwise taken if it didn't happen because it's such a strong story it's such a compelling narrative and the person is so sincere and so genuine that people naturally get behind that person so when when connecting people this was a huge huge thing that obviously malala did not intend for this to happen but when this did happen this created the catalyst for bringing others together and that's when she was martyred when she was martyred when she was shot you can kind of compare this to 9-11, where, you know, the United States experienced unparalleled levels of unity uh, after 9-11, after, after the planes hit the, hit the Twin Towers. Um, and just in general, you know, tragedy is proven to be a huge catalyst for connection and togetherness. Uh, when people go through something tragic together, they're very more likely to, to remain friends throughout their life. And it's something that, that brings people together. And, and, it's also why you'll see people accuse uh, Bush for, you know, potentially doing 9/11 um, as a, I, I guess you could say, as con conspiracy, um, because he knew that that would bring people together enough to start a war. Um, but that's besides the point, and that's not really the topic of the podcast. But anyways, um, that's the main thing: is that when Malala was shot, she was turned into a martyr. Although she was turned into a martyr, she actually survived. So this did another thing for her. It's that not only was she martyred, not only did she gal galvanize the, the, the world after this happened, 
when she survived, she became a symbol and a beacon for hope. She became someone that was so strong that no one could knock her down. She became a legend. And when you have a legend that's alive, people people will flock to that person because of their natural charisma, because of their natural, and because of their story. So Malala got the benefit of being martyred. People, people looking at her story, learning about her, and, and going into action for women's education rights. And then furthermore, she gained that legendary status when she survived, and that even further catapulted her as someone who people could look up to and, and look to to lead. So to me, that's, that's one of the most amazing things about her story is just her being able to live through that and then continue her activism, not just go away after that, but continue it. Additionally, I did want to talk about how Malala's work actually continues to bring people together. So namely, as I mentioned before, in her, in her network of champions, and this is actually the name of her network, the, the Gulaki um, champion network. Um, and the very name of her network, which she calls them champions, it tells me the people who represent her are firmly and passionately rooted in her mission. Because when you're a supporter, you know, you, you might voice your opinion, you might, um, you might follow along with what the leader says, but when you're a champion, you've taken that person's message and you've made it your own. And that's, that's honestly one of the highest levels of community is when everyone in the community not only believes the message, believes what you're doing, but they have now taken it into their own personal life and, and use that as a catapult for what they do. So when Malala has organized this network of champions that advocate for women's education in, in, in many different countries, she has she has created a community at the highest level because those champions in turn create additional communities and those people in those communities continue to spread the message because they are connected to Malala. Today, these champions speak out on behalf of Malala and continue to, to develop out her mission and they continue to build schools in areas where women need their basic right to education. And one of my favorite things about these people building schools for Malala is that I look at every one of these little schools as communities that these people are building. So not only is Malala able to bring together a network of champions and bring together um, people who are championing her message for women's education, those people are then going out and building schools on her behalf. And those schools, as we all know, as we all, we've all gone through school, or at least most of us, unless you're homeschooled, we know that school is where we find lifelong friends. School is where we create a community. School is a community in and of itself, and school is somewhere we go um, for refuge. And for a lot of third world places, school can be a place of refuge. School can be a place where it's a safe space. And so Malala takes this even further. So I think it's amazing that she's bringing in champions to champion her brand, champion who she is, and champion her message. But the fact that she brings in education to the mix is even more amazing because she's building communities at scale. She's enlisting other people to help her build more communities. And as leaders, if we're trying to build communities, then Malala's doing it at a massive scale and she's doing it with massive, massive impact. So in my eyes, you know, Malala is the embodiment of the power a human connector can really have in society. And it's, it's something we should all strive for in our journey of human connection. 
And that just about wraps up our episode about Malala Yousafzai and the first episode in our series about human connectors, uh, a series about how we evaluate these human connectors, these leaders, understand what it is that makes them so compelling that that helps them unite other people and also just goes into their story a little bit. If that sounds interesting, you know, please feel free to let me know on Instagram. Please feel free to leave a comment or please feel free to leave a rating and a comment. Um, Five star rating preferred. (laughs) Um, But yeah, please, please let me know if this is something you want to hear more of, if you want to see more evaluations of different people and what makes them leaders. And, um, and let me know also too, I just thought of this, if you want me to evaluate movements, what it is that's making a movement so powerful and what it is that's making a movement um, so impactful. Um, so yeah, again, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate anyone who's listening. I appreciate the people that support the podcast and support the human connection movement. And, um, this is just a friendly reminder to go out there, uh, make someone's day, go out there and talk to someone, hit someone up that you haven't talked to in a while, in a while, <laughs> in a while. And, um, yeah, until next time, y'all, uh, again, just thank you so much again for listening and I wish you all the best. Thanks.